Loaded Bases, episode 33. You know what? This episode, it's it's very special to me. Um, so, and let me tell you why. So, back in June of 2007, uh, I actually quit baseball. Because the reasoning behind baseball is boring. And that is a fact. The baseball playing on the field, if you don't know backstories and players, it is boring. A week later uh, from when uh, I told my mom that I was going to quit baseball, um, my grandpa took me to a Mariners game. So on June 2nd, 2007, I went to my very first MLB game. And it was, let's see, I believe it was the Mariners and Texas Rangers. And so there was uh, there was quite a bit of people there, and the vibe of the big league park, it's one that, as a child, you cannot forget that. Um, so the game goes on. Uh, it was kind of a close game. So and then in the eighth inning, a guy named JJ Putz comes out, and right then and there, I realized that. The guy that comes in, like to close the game, that's like you either do it or you don't. I mean, it's fight or take flight. So the vibe of the stadium was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So there is, uh, see, it's the top of the ninth, and JJ puts still pitching, and boom, foul ball comes up over the sides and. For some crazy reason, my very first MLB game caught a ball, like a foul ball. That, that's that's insane. So, I mean, the odds of that first off are wild. So then, as it goes on, I mean, the next batter, uh, JJ puts gets the out. Game is over. Then he throws a ball up into the stands, and for some crazy reason, I caught that. So, I actually still have both of those baseballs, and I will post pictures of, like, that game, like, when I was 12, and I'll show you everything. So, for that matter, here we go, JJ Putz. Loaded bases, JJ Putz. How's it going? It's going, my man. It's going. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for uh, replying to my DM. And now we're here. Always. So, so what are you up to now? So, what do you do? Well, I feel like I'm a school bus driver. <laughs> I feel like uh, well, I am a baseball coach, um, a house cleaner, um, <laughs> dog poop uh, scooper, a little bit of everything. Uh, I got four kids. I got twin daughters that are freshmen in high school. Nice. I got a 12 year old boy and a 10 year old girl. So, yeah, so you are busy. We're busy. They're all playing club sports right now. So I, I wish I could uh, figure out Michael Keaton and multiplicity and figure out a way to clone my wife and myself so we could maybe get some downtime and let the clones go and do everything. But I think uh, uh, I think you should uh, send a message out to uh, Elon Musk and say, hey, I got an idea. Let's do it. I, I'm all in. I'm all <laughs> in. So tell me about, okay, so back in the day, um, and say, because we were talking earlier that in, in like, 2007, uh, say because you were playing for the Mariners, and my whole story with um, 
I caught a foul ball from you off Mark Teixeira and a ball thrown from you. Yeah. And that was the, uh, that was your first um, start or, well, your first game pitching in June of 2007. Okay. Which was the month you were uh, pitcher of the month. Yeah. It's amazing how things just kind of <laughs> work out, right? It's, uh -oh. it's a, do you, so before that, I guess let's go back, um, I guess, like to when you're growing up. Do you, were you always wanting to be a professional baseball player? You know what? I've been asked that a lot of times, and I honestly think the answer is no. Um, yeah. I mean, there's times where I can't remember what I did yesterday, but oh, same. I just remember growing up, you know, I grew up in a small town in Michigan, Trenton, Michigan, and, you know, in the winter, played basketball. In the fall, we played football. In the summer, we, spring, we played baseball. So I think I always really wanted to do whatever season it was. Like, if, yeah. I, if it was basketball season, I wanted to be a basketball player. Football season, be a football player. Um, I would say it probably wasn't until the summer of my sophomore season was when I was like, you know what, this baseball thing's pretty cool. Um, I started pitching that summer and I was a catcher growing up. So I had I never really pitched and we were trying to save some arms in the tournament. I got on the mound, had a good outing and they're like, you're going to pitch the rest of the summer. And that's pretty much how I started pitching. <laughs> um, but I think it was probably like that summer being with that group of guys I was with, I went to college with three of them. And that was, I think, when the, the light bulb kind of went off and like, you know what, you, you might you might have something here, at least to get, you know, go play in college ball and, yeah. and get some education for So I guess back to your answer, I don't think I was like as a little leaguer thinking like, you know what, I'm going to be a big leaguer. Um, I just think I just enjoy playing. And, and I wish, you know, I'm coaching a 12 year baseball team now and, and <laughs> You know, it's club sports is, is like a whole nother level of insanity right now um, yeah. all across the country. And I, I think the, the sooner that, you know, parents and players, probably more so the parents, can realize like the odds of your kid, like getting to the big leagues, let alone going to play in college, so or even, or even like even more short-sighted, just playing high school baseball. I mean, there's a lot of kids playing baseball right now that won't make a, a high school team. Yep. And if they would just allow these kids to just be kids. And I don't love the way that club club baseball is right now with, you know, you play two games on a Saturday and you could play up to like three games on a Sunday, like through the bracket play. And it's like the best players in baseball, very rarely do they play a doubleheader, you know, let alone like underdeveloped 12 year olds trying to ask these kids to go out and play two, three games a day. It's just wrong. And I, I, I wish there were, I wish I had a solution to it. I don't know what the solution is. I just think they're down that rabbit hole so far that there's really no coming back for a while. It's a, uh, I mean, I for sure, ag I agree with you on that one. It, it's a, uh, I think that a lot of the clubs, or I guess like the hitting clubs, um, it's, it's a, it's a lot that they can see where they can make money off of it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there's definitely some benefits of the club baseball. Oh yeah, for sure. Good instructions and stuff, but everything in this world is money driven right yes. now. So there's, you know, and I don't fault the people that are doing it because that's, yes. that's how they make a living. And I get it. I just wish that there was an overall, I guess, brain trust maybe yeah. that would oversee all of this and say, listen, still do these tournaments, but let's be a little bit smarter about how we handle these things. And like, you know, they have pitch limits on these kids, but it's innings. It has nothing to do with how many pitches they throw. So like, if you get seven innings in a weekend, you can throw three innings on Saturday, throw 70 pitches, 
and come back on Sunday and throw four innings and throw another seven yeah, pitches. There's, mm. That's just not right. I mean, like big leaguers, relievers, when they go back to back, like usually they have the next day off if they've thrown like 20 to 25 pitches. And again, we're talking about underdeveloped. And I think that's where you're starting to see a lot of injuries in these arms of these young kids. And again, I wish I had the solution, but we're just, that's just kind of the, the way it is right now with this thing. So, yeah, I think uh, it's like it's my first year playing uh, tournament ball was when I was 12 as well. So mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, I mean, there is, I mean, because there's a lot of parents, like, of, like, the kids like, on the team, like, who would take it totally serious. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, because they, they would be the dad or mom, like, on the fence. Right. And they're just, like, yelling at the umpires at calls for a 12-year-old game. Yeah. And not, not to mention that kid's probably, like, 19 years old. Oh, you know, truth be told, <laughs> I've been thrown out of three little uh, 12-year-old games as a coach. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, but, but I get it. Uh, I'm not proud of it. Two of them, I didn't really deserve anything. I wasn't even the one that, of our coaches that said anything. But the third one, I was like, all right, I'm going to get run here, and I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to let this guy know how bad he is. So. <laughs> how, okay. How, how many times have you been thrown out in your whole playing career? None. Hey, well, I mean, you've been thrown out of little kid games. That's... I mean, it'd be better. If it, it's, a, it's a better story, right, if I said, you know what, I've been thrown out like half a dozen big league games. But no, no, no big league games, but three 12U games. That is yeah, that's where I'm at. So that shows you the level of insanity of club baseball right now. Oh, I, it's it's huge right now. I think we should have a cheers break for that. Like a little cheers. Yep. Cheers. cheers your, about your three. Yep. Uh, Every time we talk about something we're not proud of, we have to drink. Hey, I I would be drinking a lot. I think we all would, my man. We all. <laughs> no, I think. Uh, let's see. I've been throwing out a few games during high school. It was a. Uh, I was in center field for one of them, and. I, I mean, I think our pitcher was throwing good stuff right down the middle, and then he, he was calling strikes, and I yell at the guy like from center field, and then he was like, "You're gone," and I'm just, like, I'm not moving, like I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> That's no, it, it's a, uh, it's youth baseball is a whole different ball game now. It is youth sports in general. I mean, like I have my one, I have the, the I have twins that are freshmen, right? So one place. Club volleyball, the other one plays uh, club softball. And I mean, those softball games are, are I'll tell you, the, the best, if you want to be, if anybody's listening and they want to be an, an umpire or a referee, I'm going to tell you right now the sport you want to do it in volleyball. Yes. The parents are not allowed to say one word to you, no matter how bad you are. Yep. And if they do, you can take points away from your team. So literally, you just sit there and like, you just burn up inside at like some of these calls and you, and you know, like you can't say anything because you don't want to cost your, your kid's team, you know, points. So that's where it's at. And if it's like 25, 24, and then you're like, Nope. And then nope. All game. They win. It's like, you got to walk out. Try walking out of that gym with that. Right. That's, that's terrible. Dude, I, it's, I have umpired one baseball game. I mean, like for, I wasn't supposed to, but they need an umpire. And I'm lucky. I only had to ring up one person, but I, w- I mean, like, I was practicing for like, okay. hours before. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad that parents knew that I was not an umpire and they were just having fun. And Yeah. I just like, for me, it's like, it's, it's, it's not an easy job. Let's be honest. Oh, I mean, yeah, no. human, they make mistakes. I get it. But like some of these guys out there, it's like, dude, like at least have a give a shit level. Like yours is zero. Like at least like try, like these kids work hard. Like they deserve better. And that's, 
the one I got the one I got run on when I I finally told the guy I'm like these are, it was both teams right like their coach was getting close and I finally said I'll take care of this I'll, I'll get run right here and I just told the guy I'm like listen these 24 kids out here like they, they worked their ass off like practicing and like and then to come out here and have something like you dictate yeah. how this game is going you know and the guy was like scared of the ball behind the plate so like balls are coming if a guy swings he's like flinching and I finally I think I ended the conversation with like listen I know I gotta go but I'm gonna walk off this field a man a man <laughs> not scared of a 12 year old throwing a baseball and he popped off something else and then of course, then the umpire in chief comes rolling on his Segway, and he's like, what happened? I'm like, well, your fat ass on this Segway is not making things any better, you know. <laughs> Again, well, I don't drink because I'm not proud of it. But, uh, <laughs> but it was one of those ones that just had to be done. You know, sometimes it just has to be done. It's, it is worth it for the team's sake. Yeah. So like, I take one for the team. Yeah, like my hitting coach, Paul Canerico, we have boys the same age, so we're the two coaches of this team, right? So – this guy, he pops off a lot. And I, the other two times I got thrown out and it was him that was chirping. And I'm like, I didn't even say anything. It was Paul. And he's like, oh, you're out of here. And I was, Paul's just looking back at me smirking. He's like, got you again, Skipper. <laughs> so funny story about uh, Paul Kanierka. Okay, so, uh, so, so I'm from uh, Yakima, Washington. Okay. So, yeah, so the, uh, back in the day, so the Yakima Bears. Yeah. He was one of the greats that came through. Yakima. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then there's like a big, huge like picture of him like on the walls and everything, and it's yeah, he's a peach. Crazy. He's a one of a kind. <laughs> so, so was there any umpires that you just did not want behind the plate, like when you were playing? You know, they were all like, you know, you get actually scouting reports on the umpires. Oh, you do. Yeah, as far as like that. you know, and, and it, you know, as far as like they, they they favor one side of the plate or the other. Yeah. Um. This guy, the, the one guy I just never liked behind the plate and had nothing to do with his zone because he was a very good umpire and he had a very consistent zone. It was just Tim McClellan because he was so like, especially like in a, in a hostile atmosphere. Yeah. He was quiet with his strike call and his delay to put the arm up. Oh, that's, a, so that's, like, that's annoying. But like the catcher knows it's a strike because he can hear him. Well, like you throw a pitch and I'm like, where the hell is that? And then he raises his arm up and I'm like, okay, it's strike. Like, that was my only thing I didn't like. And, and again, when I say this, he was a very good umpire. His mm -hmm. zone was almost probably one of the most consistent, probably a little bit more hitter friendly, but if you know it's consistent, you can deal with it. Yeah. I just, again, didn't like, it's, it's like, if you just say like, ha, and like move his arm and then go up, just so you know something, like it's a strike. So there's times where I'm like, Jesus, where is that? And then all of a sudden the arm comes up. And there was actually a good one when I was in Seattle, Kenji Jojimo was our catcher. Yeah. And it was really loud. I believe it was in Cleveland. And it was a strike three to end the game. Kenji, like, catches it, stands up to come out to get me, and then squats back down because he didn't hear him call it. And then he hears a ha! And then stands back up and runs out to the mound. It was great. It was great. <laughs> that, that would – okay. I would say, like, especially, especially, like, as a closer, that would be annoying. It's just It was just tough. But, you know, he was – I'm telling you, like – Go back and look. I'm sure you could find out like some stats on his strikes and like missed strikes. He was as good as it was back behind the plate. I just he was just that delayed call just got me. But like I'll tell you, the best call ever was it has to be Jim Joyce behind the plate with that. Hi, like he, he was the best. And then uh, I'm trying to think of another good one was um, God, how come I can't remember this guy's name? His um, his brother pitched for a long time, left-handed pitcher. Um, There's a lot of them. 
man, I am totally blanking on this. And he is one of the best umpires out there. Um, God, his brother played for the Brewers for a while. Left-handed starter. Um, oh, my God. I can see. Uh, Jim Wolf, Randy Wolf's brother. Okay, yep, yep. Randy Wolf, or Jim Wolf was great because anytime he threw a ball back to you, knuckleball. And he had a good one. He had a really good knuckleball. I would say like that if I could go back, I would, I would only throw that. That would be my only way that I would ever get looked at. Yeah, it's, a, it's tough. It's tough. Knuckleballs are tough. So there was a, so what, so I was reading today. Uh, so one of your, uh, so one of your outings, um, there was a certain player that said, man, that closer, he throws 98 miles an hour. Then he drops that spit on you. See you later. Yeah. I know who it is. So were you shitting your pants for a full count against Barry Bonds? You know what? They, we, we had talked about walking him. I know that like Hargrove wanted to walk him. Mm-hmm. And I want, I mean, this is what you live for. Like, yeah. he's, one of the great, he's one of the greatest of all time. I, I don't care what anybody says, may have did this, may have did that. What he was able to do with the limited amount of pitches he was getting to hit. Yeah. It's I don't give a shit what you're on. I don't get, I don't care what you're on. You still have to put the barrel of the ball. And so I wanted it. I wanted him. I wanted him. I wanted to see, I wanted him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wanted to check. If you go back and look at that video, I probably shook Kenji off three times. I would not want to throw a three, two split. I wanted to, I wanted to give him a heater. I want to challenge him. And ultimately obviously it was the right pitch, but he threw a splitter there. But, uh, I'll tell you, when, when he first got in the box, you know, we had seen a couple at-bats throughout that series before yeah. I got against Bill in there. I don't think anybody realizes, one, how big he actually is and how <laughs> close he is to the plate yeah, and he how is. little a bat looks in that man's hand. Yes, yes, because I was going uh, to ask, I mean, like, how did it look like with, like, a small bat and then a the big dude? Big dude, and he's got body armor, and that elbow's like over the like inner half. It's not on the corner; it's on the inner half of the plate. And he's just challenging. He's like, try to throw something by me. And I mean, you think about the year he broke the record; like he was not getting anything to hit. No. And when he got that pitch, he didn't miss it. No, it's again. I don't care what he was on. He is the greatest home run hitter that we have ever seen. And I, I will say that. I mean, I 100% agree. It's, it's, I think he's, I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame. 100% he should be. I, I mean, I do, I can firm, I can 100% say that I think steroids helped the game of baseball in that era. I mean, listen, after the strike, and, and, and again, there's no proof of any of these guys taking it because there wasn't any testing. Correct. But the summer of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa saved the game of baseball. Yes. I will take that to my grave. I will argue with anybody that wants to discuss it. They saved the game of baseball. What that did to the country as baseball fans, Yeah, it saved the game. And the fact that these guys are, you know, you know, being shunned out of the Hall of Fame. McGuire's a Hall of Famer. Sosa's a Hall of Famer. Those are some of the greatest baseball players to ever walk the face of this earth, of the earth. And the fact that they're not in the fact, listen, the fact that Pete Rose isn't in the hall of fame. So right now in the hall of fame, the hall of fame, you have the all time home run leader and the all time hits leader, not in it. That's there's something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. It's, 
it's absolutely stupid. Like, I mean, like when uh, it was like, because uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Schilling like said no that he doesn't want to be in it anymore because it's bullshit. It is. It is. I, I completely agree with him on that one. Yeah, I do too. I do too. To answer your question, Barry Bonds is big M effort, man. He's, <laughs> he's, it's, it's intimidating when he's at the plate. I, I, I mean, I can 100% say that I, I can't get a ball past him. And not to mention, like, earlier in that game, he took Felix Hernandez deep. Yes, yes. I'll be honest with you, Felix was pretty freaking good. Yep. <laughs> so when you see the stuff Felix is rolling out there and you're coming trotting out there and you know you get to him. Yep. And the game's on the line. I think it was like a 2-1 game, 2-1 game or 3-2 game, something like that. I remember Randy Wynn and Omar Vizquel got out. Yep. And it's kind of set the, the stage for Barry. And, you know, I actually saw Barry in the tunnel after the game. And, I, you know, you hear all these horror stories about Barry Bonds, right? Yeah. I saw him. He said, what's up? I said, what's up? I said, hey, man, I would love for you to sign a baseball for me. <laughs> I sent one over. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll send one over. Next day, it was in my locker. Oh, no way. You know, to JJ, God bless Barry Bonds. So it's in my, it's in my, my ball case. That is awesome. And, um, yeah, he, he, that's freaking good, man. I, I mean, there's, I think like players that play now, there's only a few that can maybe, maybe get close to white. I don't know, man. It's, you got to remember, not only is it, well, I guess, putting up the numbers, but the longevity, like the, the, the length of time that these guys played, like mm. there's just, I just don't – I don't know. I'm not sure we're ever going to see another 300-game winner either. Oh, no. There I don't think so. 3,000 hits are going to be tough to see again. Um, I do. There is no way that there will be another 300-game winner. Yeah, I don't see it. Because there's all the restrictions. There's all of the uh, number, stats, and data. Analytics, all and that. It's, yeah, it's – Yeah. Baseball is changing. You. I'm with you. It's changing. It goes in cycles. And that part, I don't, I, I do not like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's a, so let's see. Who, besides Barry Bonds, who would have been the absolute toughest out that you face? Me personally, it would be Gary Matthews Jr. Look it up. Like if there's, if there's a definition of, definition of ownage, it's Gary Matthews Jr. against me. I will look it up right now. I want to say, I'm just going to go off the top of my head here. I think he hit, I want to say something like eight, or eight for 11 or something like that with like four homers, three doubles. Oh, shit. Like that. It's, it's, it's nasty. It's loads, I'll tell you. The thing about it is, the thing about like, numbers and like guys owning guys and hitters know who they own yeah pitchers know who they own and vice versa the hitters know if you own them and i know if i own a guy like if that guy's on deck and i know i can I, i've got great numbers against him i don't care who's on deck i want that guy on deck i want the next guy because i know i'm going to get him out harry matthews jr was never a guy i wanted to be on deck <laughs> that guy absolutely owned me so your mindset uh, going to be a closer, it's, I mean, you got to be absolute. You have a job and you got to yeah, yeah. It's, kill that. And when you, another guy that hit me really, really well was Orlando Cabrera. Um, but Gary Matthews Jr., man, like there was a time, I want to say like 
I had not thrown a curveball. I'm going to say like four years. I threw that. I'm going to call him an SOB, but he's a great guy. I don't really mean that in the true sense of it. I threw him an OO curveball and he took me deep. And I'm like, that's not even in the scouting report anymore. That's bullshit. That's when you just know a guy sees you really well. And so I'm going to say like, maybe like the year or two after I retired, one of my good buddies, Joe Saunders, he lives right across the street from me out here, played with the Angels for a long time. Mm-hmm. Our, our wives, we, we, we went to Capri, Italy for a, for a trip. We're walking, and Capri's a tiny little island. We're walking through the streets of Capri at night, and who do I see walking up towards us? Gary Matthews. Gary Matthews Jr. <laughs> and Joe had played with him, and I said, man, I came all the way out to Italy to get away from nightmares, and here you are. Yeah, they found it. Street, walking right at me. Oh, yeah. Seven, let's see, uh, eight for 13. Okay. How many bombs? Three homers and two doubles. Yeah. That's ownage, dude. I'm telling you, there's nothing. Dude. There. You know what you do? Yeah. You just say, hey, Gary. Good job, buddy. Uh, nothing you can do about here. it. Nothing just... you can do about it. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It sucks knowing it, too, man. Because you're like, oh, God. You go like 3 0, right? With two outs, mm-hmm. 3 0 count on the guy. And you're like, you look on deck, and you're like, shit, Gary's on deck. I got to get this guy out somehow because I know this is not going to go well. It's not a good feeling. What, what was it, uh, I guess, like, so what was it like um, going from, I, I guess, like playing in like a small town, like from Michigan, to be, be coming to like a big stage? Yeah, so it was like a progression because, you know, I went to, I went to the University of Michigan for four years, played there, played in some big, some big moments there. And then you just kind of get into minor leagues, and it's, you know, minor leagues are not what, what, what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's a, it's a grind, you know, yep. bus trips, um, great dudes, great stories, great times. But yep. it's a grind. And I think, again, let's, let's go back to this club ball thing. Like, everybody thinks, like, oh, their kid's going to be a big leader. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Like, yeah, you get drafted, you go sign – and you just think like, oh, it's this like glamorous lifestyle. Oh. It's not. It's not. Like you're grinding it out. I remember guys on buses in the Midwest League blowing up like, like pool rafts to lay on in the middle of the bus, right? Because if we could do – if we get like three or four guys down the middle, then everybody else could have two rows and you yep. could like stretch out and like sleep on the bus. It's not a glamorous lifestyle. But some of the best times and some of the, my better friends mm-hmm. – were guys I played minor league baseball with. It's, it's, a, it's a ton of fun. Um, and then obviously, you know, you, you, as you kind of move up the ladder, the stadiums get a little bigger, the crowds get a little yeah. bit bigger. But none of those stadiums or crowds prepare you from the moment you make your debut. And either, I, I can't imagine what it's like to walk up to the plate, but you know, the run from the bullpen, nothing okay, will prepare just... you from that. They don't, they don't prepare you. There's nothing they can do to prepare you for that. Adrenaline coming. Um, oh, man. I remember that long run from Safeco into the mound. I think my first two fastballs I threw Danny Wilson in warm-ups were about 56 feet straight scuds. Oh, hey. Um, <laughs> it was, I was like, oh, my God. How am I going to get out of this? And I remember I think the first hitter, I want to say it was Bobby Kilty. I get 2-0. You know, Danny calls a 2-0 changeup. I didn't have a changeup. I was a fastball, curveball, slider guy. I didn't really throw a changeup. But I'm like, I'm not shaking Dan Wilson off here. So I grip what I 
what a changeup was. <laughs> he pops it up. I'm like, ah, this is so yeah, it's not so bad. I'm just going to follow whatever Danny tells me to do. <laughs> so it, 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 uh, I would say like my, my favorite people like that I like to talk to you like on podcasts is like, I guess like it's guys like who are like in the minors right now. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like they—they are all like in that grind right now. Yeah, and it's, it's grind. That's that—that's the best word you can describe. In my that, I think I think that that word can probably be the most relatable if you play baseball. Mm-hmm. It's a grind, no matter what age. Like again, going back to the twelve U kids. Yeah, getting through four games at least in a weekend oh, is a grind. That's. A grind. I mean, it's. Those are long days. Long days. Long days. And then, I mean, because I'm only 26 years old. And then, like, when I have kids and then I go through that, I'm just going to be like, you know, this is I, – I just want to go home. <laughs> Dude, tell me. <laughs> There's days where I just want to go home sometimes from some of these games. You just, you know, because you just, you know, you want the best for all these kids. And, yeah. And, the you know, as a dad now and a coach, you know, I, I always tell my son, like, listen, man, Paulie and I, we can tell you everything. We can give you as much information, as much yeah. knowledge as we have in this game. There's only one person that can do it. Like, we can't do it anymore. Yep. It's on you. Like, you have to take what, what you know, Paul's telling you at the plate or, you know, in the, in the cage sessions and, like, take it to your at-bats and try to apply it. And, you know, it's okay to fail. Like, this is the one thing I always try to tell these parents. is like, the greatest hitters that have ever played this game at the highest level fail at a clip of 70%. And that's, I think that is one of the big things of why I am the way I am today is because of playing so much baseball and, and then like understanding it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's okay to fail. You, listen, it's not okay. It is. Yeah. You will fail in this game. Oh, <laughs> like it's a 100%. game. Of, this is the only game that is built around failure. Think yeah. about it. Name me another sport where if you fail 70% of the time, you're going to go to the Hall of Fame. It's, I mean, I, I really don't know any. It's, I mean, I mean let's go, let's go through the list right here. Football. Uh, if, if, you fail, 30%, if you're a 30% completion rate, are you in the Hall of Fame? Nope, you're getting cut. How about a kicker? Make 30% of your field goals. You're probably not making uh, the team. A golfer, you make 30% of your putts. Hit 30% of fairways. You're not on the PGA Tour anymore. Basketball player. I can't go and save my life, so that's that. 30% from the field, free throw line, three-point line. Uh, you're not making it. Nope. Uh, hockey, goalie, you save 30% of your goal uh, shots. Nope, you're, nope, you're not. Uh, I, 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 there's not another sport. Softball, I'll say softball. Um, well, that follows. You can fail 30, 70% of the time and be really, really good. It's – well, I mean, like, so now – I'm ex- nowadays I play uh, men's slow pitch softball, and that's How's that? uh, I like it. I mean, it it uh, I mean, it gives me something to do. Yeah, I played I played in one game up in Flagstaff. Um, we we have a, a like a cabin up there. Paul's got a cabin up there, and mm-hmm. some of the boys, some of the kids around there were like, "Hey, come out and play in our softball league, right? All right, <laughs> go out and play." So Paul and I both went deep, even though I'm not a hitter. And uh, I was playing second base. By the way, like, these guys hit the ball hard. <laughs> right? Like, they hit the ball hard. Like, I'm not, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen something hit at yeah. me hard like that in a long time. 
And I'll tell you what, man, that's fun. That is absolutely that's what I'm saying. fun. It's there, fun. Right? There was a, so in, in 2018, uh, I moved from here down to South Florida, like for the year and then playing down there for softball. It's, I mean, cause you get like all like the guys, like from the Dominican, Puerto Rico, yeah, Cuba. And, I mean, they, they, they play phenomenal ball. So there, uh, but there's this one tournament that, uh, I like, I like for sure, like will always remember. So, uh, a week before this tournament, uh, Hanley Ramirez is playing for the Red Sox and then he got released. Okay. And then I was playing third base and all of a sudden this big dude like walks up and I'm just like, that kind of looks like Hanley Ramirez. And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> and then he has never swung like he's never seen like a softball pitch ever. And I mean, I'm playing third base. I'm just like, oh shit, just please don't pull don't it to me. Dude, that that was I mean, that was the hardest hit ball I've ever seen in my entire life. And I swear that that ball would I mean, it was like inches like from my head. I would have died. But I mean like but I'll be doing a podcast right now. Oh no, I I no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing anything. Yeah. But it, it I mean, but then like as I mean I let it go past me because I couldn't move that fast. And then he and then he walked to first base and then he got a runner and then he came over and then he apologized and I was like, dude, like why are, like what the hell are you doing? Like why are you here? Yeah, that's funny. No, but you should play some slow pitch softball. You know what? I'll tell you what, when I when when Elon Musk figures out how to clone me so I can actually oh, yeah, true. Stuff true, own, true, true. I'm in. I'm in. Totally in. It's uh no, there's I mean so I make some nowadays. So like besides being a, like a full-time dad, so like what else do you enjoy doing right now? Yeah, so I, I play a lot of golf now. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a, a member of uh, this, this pretty cool group out here in Phoenix called the Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what this hat is, the Thunderbirds. Nice. Um, we put on the Phoenix Open. Oh, nice. Okay. So um, you have to be 40 years old or younger to get in. So I think I got in when I was like 38 and you're an active member up until you're 45 years old mm-hmm. and you go life. So you don't have an actual job or assignment on course. So what does that mean? Well, you know, obviously everybody knows the 16th hole of the Phoenix Open is like the greatest hole yep. of all. Oh yeah. So we have a, a 16th chairman and then two assistant chairmen. So they're in charge of running that venue every year. Oh, nice. It changes every year. I, I've, I've run Cove, which is on 17. We have Bay Club on 17. We have the 18th. And our job is to go out there and try to sell hospitality suites. Mm-hmm. And we raised, a, I mean, a shit ton of money for the Phoenix area. And oh, I bet. we, um, so that, 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 that's one of my bigger things that I'm doing now is part of that group. And we do special Olympics, Arizona. We do junior golf out here, mm-hmm. just a lot of community stuff. And then I'm still working for the Diamondbacks. Um, we're, we're, we've all kind of been furloughed obviously with COVID. Yeah. Not a lot to do at the stadium right now, but, um, so myself, Willie Bloomquist, another former Mariner. Yep, yep. Um, Randy Johnson, former Mariner. Correct. Luis Gonzalez, not a former Mariner. Um, we're the four like special assistants to the president, Derek Hall. Nice. And so we kind of, you know, do some. Um, we'll go visit some of the minor league teams. Uh, do a lot of corporate sponsorship, meet and greets, season ticket holder meet and greets, um, out in the community type stuff. And yeah, and then. Um, 
Yeah, just uh, carpooling. I didn't really, <laughs> you know, I didn't really appreciate the carpool lane until you're in it. That is true. And, uh, That's it, like, it, you know what? Carpool lanes matter. They really do. They yes, say they do. you that, shit out of time. I mean, time. unless unless you accidentally get stuck on, uh, say, uh, up in Seattle on the 405, I couldn't get over. Then they told you. Yeah. Mm. You just got to get aggressive, man. I, I just. I learned that. I, I learned if I have carpool that. privileges, there's nothing stopping me from getting into that lane. I, I don't care that. how many people hate me. You know what? Here we go. I'm not proud of it, but See, I'm going to get in that carpool lane. I promise you. <laughs> See, it's like down in Florida, there's a, I mean, like, if you're not doing like 95, like in the express lane, get out because there's a the line down there. I, and that's you know what I, respect that. I respect that. I respect that. Cause there's days you need it. And then there's days you just are just on your way. Yeah. Oh. No, I, I, uh, I mean like, cause I like, so I worked uh, about 45 minutes North of Miami. And I mean, I, I didn't think I was going to do anything down there. So I bought uh, season tickets to the Marlins. Right. I mean, it was very, it was, I think it's like 375 bucks for 81 games. Really? Super cheap. Not terrible. I mean, there was like 400 people that would go to the games. Not terrible. So then I, yeah, I, I would fly down the express lane just to, I mean, like just to get there and just watch the oh, other right. games. And then just learn how to drive. It, uh, it gets pretty crazy. I mean, like, I couldn't imagine, like, the traffic down in, like, the Phoenix area at, like, 5 o'clock. Like, is that bad? You know it's not. Really? Not. No. We don't have much traffic. It's getting worse and worse. All the people from California are trying to get out of that state to come over I here. Guess that is but true. Uh, other than that, it's, it's really not that. I mean, I think Phoenix, when they first started, they didn't really build their expressways expecting the boom that it got. But they've done a good job. I, there's not terrible. I mean – Rush hour is not awful here. It's not. It's definitely not like Seattle. Seattle still. Seattle, L.A. Like those are some of the worst. When when was the last time that you you were up here in Seattle? Um, I did. So the other thing I do, I do some radio broadcasts when when the the, the full time guys are out. Um, so I did the D backs Mariners series when the last time the D backs were there. Oh, nice. I want to say that was probably 2017, maybe somewhere around there, 2017, 2016. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. That's the last time I've been up there. Hmm. It's it's uh, it gets worse and worse every year. So you. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, people know what they're getting into when they move to certain cities. Like people that move to LA and complain about the traffic. I'm like, <laughs> idiots. Like, did you not like? realize there's traffic in LA all the freaking time. My wife's, my wife's from Orange County. So like <laughs> every time we go over there, I'm like, you're dry. I, I can't drive it. Like, I feel like I would get shot in a second driving LA, LA traffic. I don't have the patience for it. I'm from a, a town that like, you know, there's no traffic in my hometown. Yep. Like I can't do LA traffic. Yeah, I know there, there is, n there's no traffic here either. It's, it's, I mean, it just, Longer drives, yeah. things further apart, but it's nice yeah. and easy. Yeah, I'll take it. I hate traffic. I how, hate it. How, how did you get into uh, do, uh, doing the broadcasting? You know, it kind of just like 
It was just like, hey, like. Yeah, so it started like, so the first year, so I retired in 2014, 2015 season was the first year that I was a special assistant. Mm-hmm. And usually Gonzo does some, some spring training games. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, he, I don't know, he had something going on. So they're like, hey, can you do a, do you mind filling in on the broadcast? for the, it's, yeah. it's, And when I say broadcast, this was like the, like the computer broadcast. So like there's like seven people listening. I'm like, yeah, that's easy. Nobody's listening anyway. So I did it with Mike Farron. Or no, I think my first one was actually with uh, Greg Schulte. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This is kind of fun. All I do is like talk about the game and yeah. tell stories. And spring training is great because after the third inning, like you don't know who any of these guys are. Just looking at like high numbers. And yeah, that's true. tell stories about what it was like when you were the high number. And it just kind of went from there. And then, I mean, I guess they must have liked a couple of things I said because they were like, yeah, during the season, like, if we need you to fill in for the radio, would you do it? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do the radio, whatever. So the best is, like, the, the couple trips I would always ask for, and it, was, it always worked out, was nobody wants to do – and this is no offense to these cities. I want to be fully <laughs> clear about this. Nobody wants a Cincinnati-Milwaukee road trip. Oh, yes, okay. no. You know who I- wants that trip? Me. You know what's in Milwaukee? Whistling Straits. Bunch of golf courses. So, and you're I'm from like, you know Michigan, what? so it's close too. Yeah, but I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do Milwaukee. I don't have to be as a radio broadcast. You don't have to be in the field till like five thirty. So I'll get like a nine o'clock tea time at Whistling Straits. Never played it. Go yeah. out there, get my ass handed to me by a PGA course, <laughs> and come back and talk about it. It's something else to talk about. Yeah. So played it the one year. I'm like, ah, oh, that was great. And then they're like, hey, you want to do Cincinnati, Milwaukee again? I'm like. Absolutely. So I actually had a couple of pals fly in to Milwaukee and we, we just made a golf trip out of it. See, it's a, I'm like, so, so my grandma, so she was like a diehard Cubs fan. So that's why I have the, I mean, I have like the W flag and all that stuff. Respect, now. respect. So, but, but then me growing up in Washington state, so that's the Seattle thing. Yeah. Then like, I can, I can say that I wouldn't want to go to Milwaukee. So I don't like the Brewers just because that part, but I've never been to Milwaukee. So I would, I think I would go. I'll tell you this. Milwaukee's, I mean, it's a very, it's a very, well, I mean, I like to drink. So that's, that's, it's a very sleepy town. Okay. And I would also say it's a sneaky town. The hotel there's haunted. (laughs) It is. There's, you can look it up. So you have first-hand experience with that? It's on it. I've heard a toilet flush in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I guarantee you I cannot pee flushing the guy in bed this fast. Um, <laughs> they got a great steakhouse there, and they got some of the best golf courses in the country there. And so the Cubs connection, one of my best pals out here, I met him, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, Larry Dolan. Undercover narcotic cop, formerly retired now. Mm-hmm. Huge Cubs fan. Huge Cubs fan. Cubs win the World Series. It's one of the toughest guys you'll ever meet. Cries. Hey, I, the World I, Series. I, I can say I, I'm the same boat as him. I mean, yeah, I, and, you know, I have a Cubs so, tattoo on my side. It's just, yeah, so what, what, what does a good friend do? You buy him a, a case of Titleist golf balls with the Cubs logo on it. Yep. And so, you know, he's like, I'm never hitting these balls. I'm only going to putt with them. So one of my other, one of our, Larry and my good buddies, Matt Thornton, big left-handed reliever, played for the Mariners, mm-hmm. played for the White Sox for a long time. 
Not a big Cubs fan. He's a Sox guy, obviously. So anytime he could get his hands on one of Larry's balls when he was putting these Cubs balls, it would end up in the lake. <laughs> so I think Larry is down to like one or two of these Cub balls left. And I said, Larry, just stop bringing these balls. Like, you've got to save at least one. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I put the year on it and everything. I did it right for him. You know, you know good guy. So it's and, uh, but, yeah. So, you know, I, I listen, growing up a Lions fan, I understand the pain of Cubs fans. <laughs> I do. Yes. I really do. Um, yeah. It's good. It, yeah, we're, we're uh, say, I'm headed to Chicago at the end of this month for – I guess like nice. my birthday weekend. Very so nice. That'll be, we'll be a good trip. Text me, text me where you're at. I'll buy you a beer at that bar. Okay. Deal. Please do. I'm going to call it up. I'm going to say, listen, there's one guy. Tell him to take his shirt off. He's got a Cubs tattoo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you find that guy, I'll buy him a beer. Deal. That's, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Text me. I will. I will. Please do. It's a, uh, okay. Uh, talking about uh, golf balls and lakes. Have you ever hit a fungo metal bat with a golf ball? I have not. Dude, those go 500 plus feet. Really? It, yeah. All right. I should put one of those in my bag? I would. Okay. I, I'd, uh, I think actually my softball bag, I have a few golf balls. Nice. Just in case. If, just in case you need yeah. those. Yeah. You that's, never know. You never know when you're going to need them. So you got to do that. You got to have you and Paul hit. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. 500 plus? That would be sick. Pro probably six, yeah. That'd All right. <laughs> so there's a – so I have one more thing before we kind of like wrap it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, my girl's got to go to bed pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, time. You know, Playing a, the mom dad here right now with the wife out of town. This is like every quick. man's nightmare. Every man's nightmare. Like you don't realize four kids. how much you depend on the misses until they're not here. Okay, that's valid. I mean, I grew up with a so it was just me and then and then a single mom, and she played both roles all the time. She that's incredible. You know what? You know what? Hey, cheers to cheers to single moms because those guys they're, they're rock stars. You know that's what I'm saying. They're rock stars because I feel like a single dad for the next three days, and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I have no, and this is for three days. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. So this might actually be uh, one of your answers to this question. So uh, so I went through your uh, so uh, I was on Twitter and then um, I went to your page and then it said. Uh, <laughs> said america's got talent follows you yeah so you must have some uh hidden talents no so here's a this is a good story my daughter my daughter's gonna kill me when i tell her tell you the story <laughs> so one of my twin girls this was probably two or three years ago she wanted to do um lip sync or no not lip sync um what's one way uh ventriloquism okay yep yep yeah so you know as parents, you always want to encourage your kids to follow their dreams. Always. So we did. And we bought them, we bought her two puppets, like, like legit puppets. Yeah. And she, she, she was like, I'm going to be on AGT. I'm like, all right, cool. And she was like reading books and, and watching videos. And she was actually, she actually got to be pretty good. So I actually took her and a friend to the AGT finals one year. 
And I had no idea what the hell I was doing going out there. So I just tweeted at him, tweet like, hey, we're coming, excited to see the show. I have no idea what I'm doing. And they actually like sent me like a private message of like, this is what you gotta do. It's really, it's not, it's not that hard. You're a big boy, pull your pants up. Like you can do it, dad. Um, so we actually went to the, it was, it was yeah. one of the coolest things I've ever been to. Oh, I bet. It was, it was, and, um, it was the one where the, um, the magician, the magician guy, the card guy, um, I can't remember his name off the top of the Asian guy. He was freaking like, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking right there. Yeah. I'm like, this is impossible. This is not possible. And so everybody that thinks like, oh yeah, it's TV. Bullshit. That food is freaking legit. It is mind blowing. That's mind blowing. Wild. It was. It was. What was that guy's name? Look up like 2017 or 2018 AGT winner. I can do that. Oh wait, like so he like won the whole thing. He won the whole thing. America's Got Talent. Real quick. Uh, You're way better on a computer than I am. Oh, a day. A, a, I'm. I grew up around this. I'm the, I'm, I'm considered a millennial. So we're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. this is your jam, not mine. <laughs> see, I think, uh, America's Got Talent. Winners. Like my, my, when I learned to text, we had like, if you wanted to hit the letter C, you had to hit the number two three, three times. Yep. Yeah. I, that, I, uh, that's, that shows your age right there. Yes. Uh, let's see. Let's say, uh, my mom had to get me a phone when I was uh, eight years old just so I could text her and say, hey, uh, I'm getting a ride home. Yeah. Just just so I'm safe. Let's see, 20, you said 2018? 2018, maybe? 2018. There's so many different things on here. Holy shit. I'm on it. Shin, Shin Lim. Shin Lim was his name. Shin Lim. So Shin that Lim. would be 20. Yep. That'd be 2018. Season 13, I think. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, dude. I'm definitely going to watch those after this. I'm going to tell you this. I don't care what anybody says. All oh, these magicians. Hey, that, like, that is the craziest stuff. Like, oh, they, they divert you. I was like, I was like everybody else. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to watch this guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a hawk. Yep. And I was like, Bullshit! How did this just happen? Even if uh, I would say, because we had a uh, we had a transfer kid uh, during college ball, like that was from Japan, and then there was another a Japanese kid like that did magic, and I mean like he, he like he would tell us to to record him and say try try and figure it out. Figure it out. It's and insane, we, and we could not do it. These guys are unbelievable. I think if this I could, guy, this guy, the thing about this guy that was so good, like obviously, like the magic, magic, and like the, the sleight of hand and the diversions. This guy was in a, he was an entertainer. Like, yeah, he just, and he, you know what? The best, like, this was my daughter's favorite thing about him. He had this like stupid, like little, like lean in with like the eyebrow, like you know, <laughs> like I'm kind of the shit. Yeah, she was just like, oh, I love this guy. I'm like, ah, yeah. So we went, we went to, we, you know, we, we did the whole Hollywood. We flew in. We didn't even stay the night. We literally took a morning flight, her and her best pal, uh, Bailey. We took a flight early, landed, did lunch, 
I mean, honestly, I don't even know where we were. We, we, but we were kind of by the studio and we're walking around and you see like the, one of the other acts that like the big, like tumbling, like throwing people all over the place. Like they're yeah. all walking around and she's like, Oh my God, Oh my God, go say hi. She's like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, one chance she blew it. Um, that, I would say, so like on that, like I have learned that people, I would say like, even like professional baseball players, and say like over and say like over a year ago, I would get nervous like talking to people. I mean, like, oh, who, I'm like who who have been on the big stage, but you know what? You guys are normal people that just that have had badass jobs. Listen, dude. Yeah. See, that's like I grew up in like a small ass town. Yeah. I got one more story about my, my yeah, hometown, go ahead. but you'll love this one. So I grew up in a small town. I was blessed with a good arm. I love people. I love meeting people. I love talking to people. Like 99.9% of those, anybody like in that, they love talking. They just yeah, love, exactly. they, love, they want to know about your story. Like, where are you from? Like stories are awesome. No matter where you're, who you are, where you, that's, stories are everything. That's so what I'm saying. The last year I played 2014 at that time. And when I tell you, like, I'm going to look it up real quick. Just cause I don't want, I don't want to mislead anybody here. <laughs> Population of Trenton, Michigan. Let's see. So our population is 18,000 people in our town, right? Small town. In 2014, there were four kids pitching in the big leagues. Oh, no shit. Trenton High School. Damn. Chew on that. That's, let's see, we have, we have, uh, it was me, Damn. Anthony Bass, and Matt Shoemaker. Oh, no way. Three kids in Trent, Michigan, pitching in the big leagues at the same time. That, that's How about insane. That? How about that? And there's another one coming. Damn. There's another pitcher coming. We have, let's see, we got one kid right now. Um, he plays for Vanderbilt. He's a, uh, he started at shortstop as a freshman. Uh, Car Carter Young. Oh yeah. See, he, yeah, he came from, let's see, yeah, cause we went to the same high school. Let's see our population as of 2010 census, 7,100. All right. So you're smaller than me. I'm, yeah. So Yeah. So I guess our, our ratio is still better. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. And there, I'm going to tell you this. There's another That's kid coming. Crazy. There's a kid who's a senior at Trenton High School right now. His name's Mike Ottenbray. He's going to Michigan State, which makes me want to puke a little bit because I'm a Michigan guy. <laughs> but went to high school with his dad, his mom, great people. This kid's legit. He, he'll probably get drafted. Yeah. He's going to have a tough choice, school, draft, whatever. Um, can't go wrong either way. I would always say go to school because that's the one thing they can never take from you is your education. Correct. Um, but there could be another pipeline pitcher coming from Trenton, Michigan. Something in the water there, bro. Huge thank you to JJ Putz. He's one of the most down to earth people that I have talked to. It's it is crazy, and let me just say that people who have been in big roles and they are, 
I mean, that they've all played in the MLB, NFL. It doesn't matter what sport. You always got to keep in mind that they are just people like you and I. But at some point, they did something at the right time, and they were really good at it. They just all have cool jobs. So, that being said, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Um, I just want to say thank you to the guys at More Than Baseball. Um, they have always inspired me to do what I do and and then push me towards greatness. Um, it's it's I can't be thankful for enough for what this podcast and what this brand has uh, given me. Every day is a new day, and it's just another at-bat on the field. <laughs>